You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killy. Good morning. Uh, my name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. And uh, I just want to get us started out right and get something right out there in the open. And that is that I am a nerd. All right. We need to understand that. If you understand that, I will make so much more sense to you. Um, I've been a nerd as long as I can remember. I remember the first time I played a video game. I was so little, and that Super Nintendo fired up, and it was Super Mario All-Stars, and it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. And that turned into Pokemon cards, not so much later. And that was kind of like running a kindergarten black market because you weren't allowed to have Pokemon cards, but we all did because we had to catch them all. And so we're trading them and I'm looking now, I'm like, these things are thousands and thousands of dollars. We were just throwing away at each other like it's crazy. Um, that turned into Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Yu-Gi-Oh cards turned into Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering turned into Warhammer and model making and hobby painting and all that stuff. And ready for the big one that nobody likes to talk about? Dungeons and Dragons. (gasps) Yeah. So here's the deal. If you grew up in church in the 1980s, you have been told that Dungeons and Dragons is of the devil. It is satanic. It's bad. It's crazy. And here's the thing. Here's the reason for that is because in the 1980s, something happened called the satanic panic. Great term. Nobody's heard it, but I love it. The satanic panic. Here's what that is. In 1980, do you guys remember there was a chunk of time when everything you saw in the news, every violent crime, Every news story was, there's an occult practice. This was a satanic ritual being performed. We all remember this, right? Like, that's a thing. That totally happened. Well, Dungeons and Dragons came right in the middle of that, and I think it just got lumped in, okay? And so here's the deal. I promise this is all going to make sense. I promise, okay? Okay? I think you can make a really good explanation that Dungeons and Dragons is not evil, and I can do it using the Bible okay? I believe that, okay? Here's the deal. When people talk about why Dungeons and Dragons is evil, let's call it D&D for short. That's simple. When they talk about D&D, they say that it's evil because it's got wizards and magic and demons. Well, here's the deal. If we have to get rid of everything that has wizards and magic and demons, we got to get rid of all of C.S. Lewis's fantasy stuff, right? But that's Christian. We like it. We got to get rid of the Lord of the Rings, the Cimmerillion, and the Hobbit, all of J.R.R. Tolkien's work, but that's Christian. We like it. And we got to get rid of the Bible because it's got magic demons and wizards, right? Like, you see, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense, right? Okay, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. That's if that's what D&D is about. But here's my whole point. D&D is a game about nothing. Nothing. There is no storyline because it's what you want it to be. It's a game of make-believe. It is a game designed for you to make up a story with your friends, and then you go, I want to do this in the make-believe story, and you roll dice. And the higher the outcome, the higher the likelihood that happens, the lower the outcome, lower the likelihood that happens. That's it. 
it's a game about nothing. If you want to be about a bunch of little old ladies sitting around knitting quilts, that's what your D&D game is. Like, that's it, okay? But here's my point. The reason I bring all this up is because my mother-in-law hates Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, she is terrified of it. Like, it is the devil. It's of the devil. It's evil. It's Satan. And I, being me, like to bring it up. <laughs> because I just want to hear what she's got to say about a game about nothing and why that's evil, right? And so I do it all the time. And here's why I'm saying this. is because I am wrong for doing that. That's bad of me. I shouldn't do that, even if it's a little bit funny. I shouldn't. I really shouldn't. And so this is like, this is me confessing my sin to you. This, this is me repenting of this. I can't do that anymore. That's bad, okay? And the reason I'm bringing all this up is because as weird as that whole spiel just was, oddly enough, a little place called Corinth is going through a very similar situation. And Paul is, is writing to them about it. See, Corinth is in Greece, Okay, which means that they have traditionally worshipped the Greco-Roman gods. I don't know if you guys know this, but the Greeks and the Romans have the same pantheon of gods. Same gods, different names, okay? And they've been worshipping these gods forever. But now, Christianity happens. And a group of these Corinthians have come to know Jesus Christ as the one true God, their Lord and Savior, Right? And what's happening now in this church is we've got a big issue. We've got a group of people eating meat sacrificed to idols. Okay, here's what I mean by that. They go, they sacrifice an animal to their gods, to Zeus and Hades and Poseidon or whoever it is they worship. And there are some Christians eating this meat. But the problem is there's people on both sides of the aisle here. You got some people over here going, guys, we used to worship these gods and now we see them for what they are. They're not gods at all. They're, they're fallen sons of God. They're evil spiritual beings. We can't be associated with them. We can't eat that meat because if you eat that meat, it's, it's connected to them. We can't do that. And on the other side of the aisle, you got people going, bro, it's just meat. It doesn't have anything to do with that God. It's meat. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Jesus told us it doesn't matter what we eat. It's just food, right? And so they're arguing back and forth. And Paul jumps in in chapters 8, 9, and 10 of 1 Corinthians. And here's the deal. I'm reading two very short passages that summarize, I think, this entire thing very simply. But I want to encourage you, yourselves, to read chapters 8, 9, and 10 just to make sure that I'm not full of it. Is that fair? Easy peasy. Here's what he says first. He says, Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that we all have knowledge. That part's in quotation marks. I love that. He's like, yeah, you're all really smart. I get it. You have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much, but the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Did you catch that? They're like, Paul, 
am I right for saying that we should need it because it's sacrificed to these gods? And this guy's, no, no, is Paul, am I right? Because it's just me, right? And Paul's like, listen, you guys are all really smart. We get it. But maybe you should just focus on like loving each other. The Bible has this way of like cutting right through all of our little bickering and all of our little arguments and going, you don't get it. You think you get it, you don't get it. And the more you think you get it, the less you probably get it. Just love each other. And so Paul goes on and he gives this answer for their whole predicament. This is what he says. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you this meat was offered to an idol. And and he's saying like somebody has an objection to that, right? Like a fellow brother or sister in Christ. He says, well, then don't eat it out of consideration for their conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. It's that simple. That's it. That's the summary of chapters 8, 9, and 10. You should still read them. You should still read them. Please do. But that's it. Paul is saying, look, it doesn't matter who's right. The problem is you have a lot of knowledge about this guy over here. Yeah, it's just meat. We get that. We see that it's just meat. Okay? But this guy over here, he doesn't see that it's just meat. To him, it really hurts him to see you eat that. And so Paul is taking the position of while you are well within your rights to eat that meat, because it is just meat, it has nothing to do with that God, because those gods aren't even gods at all. It's just meat. While you're well within your rights to eat it, for the sake of your brother, maybe you just don't. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Do you see? And here's the problem. This is where we get to the whole push and pull. Remember, we've been talking about society. We live in a, war, in a world that wants to tell us, do whatever you want. I mean, we maybe almost worship the American dream sometimes, like that whole pursuit of happiness concept, right? Like, we're free. Yes, we are free. Jesus, Paul, they're not arguing with that fact. You are free. Under Christ, you are free from the law. But also... If what you're doing, even if there's nothing wrong with it, if it's going to hurt this person's conscience, maybe you just don't do it. But what's that look like in our world? What examples do we have in our world of that? Well, here's the deal. A lot of them. A lot of things. So I can't go through everything, but I can go through a few things. The first one, maybe I don't make my mother-in-law play Dungeons and Dragons. You know, like... Like, that's simple. Like, I know it's just a game. I know it's stupid. I know it's make-believe. I know there's nothing inherently wrong with it. But she can't separate that from what she has convinced herself it is. And so it would be wrong of me to force that upon her. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, ladies, picture this. You're at the store, and you see this cool little necklace. And it's this shiny little rock necklace, and it's so cool. And so you're like, dude, I want that. I'm going to buy that. That's so pretty. So you buy it, and you're at church a week later, and somebody looks at you and goes, why are you wearing a New Age healing crystal around your neck? 
that's evil. That's demonic. You can't wear that. That's, that is, that is, that's to other gods. That's not our God. He doesn't tell us to wear those. Well, here's the deal. Guys, it's a stupid rock. It's just a rock. It doesn't heal anybody. It's not magical. But if this person over here cannot separate that, if it is going to hurt their conscience, maybe you just don't wear the necklace around them. What about yoga? You guys, there's probably going to be some people learning some things about yoga right here. That's all I'm saying. But yoga, we think of it often as like this uh, physical exercise that also has a spiritual element. It's actually the reverse. It's a spiritual practice that just so happens to have a physical element. It was designed by the Hindus that each one of those poses you put yourself in, like downward facing dog or fire breather, that you're contorting your body into the shape of Sanskrit salutations that say, hello, I welcome you to Ganesh or Vishna or Vishnu or uh, Brahman, all these Hindu gods, right? But here's the deal. Most people today are like, man, my back really hurts. I need some poses so I can stretch that out. And they're just stretching. They don't even know that there's a spiritual element to it. But for the person that does, they may be deeply offended by you doing that in their presence. So if you know that bothers somebody, maybe don't bring them along. What about Halloween? Halloween started as Samhain. That's a uh, Celtic Gaelic festival, right? And that was the time of year when the veil between the living and the dead was supposed to be the thinnest, right? And so what would happen is they would go out and they would give these offerings, these treats to the fairies, to the deities, so they wouldn't come and play their tricks. You see, we got to keep the bad guys away. We got to keep the demons away. So we only give them their little offering to keep them happy, right? Now today, we've got like your four-year-old and your six-year-old dress up as Buzz Lightyear and Woody, and they go over to Mr. Jones's house, and they're like, trick or treat, I just want Tootsie Rolls, and you give them candy, those are kind of really different things. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, it's not exactly the same situation. But to some people, they can't separate that. You've got a friend that's an alcoholic? Maybe don't drink in front of them. Even though you can have a drink responsibly, maybe you don't drink in front of them because that's going to bother them. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, this, this is so gray, in a lot of ways. These are not hard and fast rules that we're playing with here, which is why I really need you to assess your own life in this situation and go, what, it, what do I do that, that messes with the conscience of the people around me? I mean, that's talking about Christian people. We can even take it to non-Christian people because Paul in chapter nine talks about the fact that to the Jews, to those living under the law, he lived under the law. Even though he didn't have to, he's free to not live under the law. To the Romans, he lived like a Roman because he wanted to reach the Romans. What do you need to do to be appealing, to be accepted? As long as it's within biblical means, right? Like you don't sin to be accepted, but like, what if it just means like my friend Saeed, for instance, my friend Saeed is a Muslim, okay? And you know what I didn't do around Saeed? I didn't eat pork around Saeed because I knew it weirded him out. And I didn't want to weird him out. I'm allowed to eat pork. There's nothing wrong with that. But I didn't want to offend his conscience. Even though he's not a Christian, that helps me to establish a relationship with him in which I will have opportunities to share Jesus with him. 
And so what I'm asking you to do today, this is really simple stuff. Is to, I mean, it's not simple. It's, it's a lot of thinking about it, but the concept is simple. It's just think about it. What do I do that could be really affecting the people around me? See, I get that we have rights to do a lot of things. But do you know who else had the right to do a lot of things? Jesus. He's the God of the universe. He can kind of do whatever he wants. When he was born into this world, he could have been anyone he wanted. He could have lived the life he wanted. He could have been an anointed king from the get-go. And he could have had us all bowing down to him and, and living for him. But do you know what he did? He came down and he became a very poor, very unknown man to many. The most unassuming. And the way he lived his life is he chose not to count himself as the greatest, but to count himself as the least among others. God did that. He set his whole being aside in a way. His, his, his honor aside, right? And he served people. And so what I'm saying is, how can you do the same for the people around you? This really all just boils down to the golden rule. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, strength, all that stuff, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, here's the deal. Do you want to walk around being offended by all your friends all the time? Do you want to walk around feeling weird about being in the same room as your friends and the things they're doing? Well, look, even if what you're doing is not wrong, maybe you set it aside when you're around that friend. And maybe even say, do I need this at all? And I'm not saying you do or you don't. See, that's where this is really weird and kind of gray. I'm leaving it on you. You've got to determine that. But the question is, what is the most loving thing for the other person? And that's what Paul is making this all about. It's not about what we do. That's not the question. The question is, how do I best love my neighbor? And that's it. Pretty simple. So let's pray on that. Let's think about that. Let's let our minds kind of analyze our lives and, and get out of our own way, you know? We're not so important. Stop puffing yourself up and making yourself so important. Like, the things you do, are they really that important? Or are, you, or are you just hanging on to them because you can and there's a pride in that, right? We do that a lot. We as people, we do that. Let go. Learn to let go, even if it's just when you're around certain people. The band's going to come back up here and we're going to pray. Father, thank you uh, so much for your son, Jesus. And that he did not, um, that he didn't choose the Lord over us, but that he instead served as an example of who we're supposed to be. I thank you uh, for hard sayings of Jesus, like when he says, you know, why do you say you love me and you don't obey my commands? Lord, please teach us to set ourselves aside and see that, um, that we're not supposed to be the most important people in the room. We're supposed to make everybody else the more, most important people in the room. And if we were all doing that, Lord, this life would be so much easier. So please just empower us through your Holy Spirit to do that. Please help us 
we are we're just so selfish naturally and we just need you to just just work through us and, and take away all of that um just worldliness that's just been in us our whole lives lord we love you we thank you for the the words you've given to us through paul and uh, please help us to carry forth this message and the gospel at the end of the day lord that's what matters most the gospel of jesus christ to everyone we meet we pray in jesus name amen Let's take a few moments as Zach encouraged us to just reflect and listen for God's call on our lives this morning as we consider these couple of questions. What is God wanting us? How, or how does God want us to be more like Jesus today? What part of our life is God pointing out saying, you know what? This could change. This would honor me by changing this. What is God calling you to look at today? what action do we need to take today to align that area of our life to be closer like Jesus so what can we do today maybe it's what we need to stop doing too so what is it that God is calling you to to be more like him today Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.